In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, you're going to be really glad you tuned into this podcast as I hope you're really glad you tune into each episode of the OGGN HSE podcast. We really do want to be a reliable partner to provide you with information that helps all of us come home safe every day. And we want to thank our sponsor who makes this all possible, Endress and Hauser, a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Endress and Hauser, the people for process automation. So the reason I said you're going to be really glad you tuned into this podcast is because I have two guests with me today, and we're going to be talking about a very popular or arguably infamous subject, pipeline construction. So let's see who we have. Of course, we're still COVID-19 at this time, so we're still doing all these podcasts remotely, which has actually... You know, the silver lining behind all this is we've been able to have some guests on that when we were always trying to have them come down to Houston, trying to schedule the face-to-faces, you know, always became difficult. This actually works out for everybody's schedule a lot easier because the first person I have with me is Ethan Sackle, who is the VP of Business Development for a company called Core Line Pipe Incorporated. And Ethan, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Russell. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. And so where are you, Ethan? I'm in Calgary, Alberta. Calgary, Alberta. Calgary, Alberta, where it's just... The uh, (laughs) gateway to the Rockies. That's right. Yeah. And it's just barely spring. Let's see... Yeah, I, wait a minute. We're in. Then you had a. You must. Did you have a hard winter? Or did you have a late spring? Or we had a hard winter and a late spring. So we've just got our leaves on the trees here in the last few days, and then it decided it's going to rain for a week. So, wow. I, I have to tell you a funny story, Ethan. I've mentioned on a previous podcast, and I won't go into any of the details because <laughs> we try not to bore people. But and you know, it's as I say, it's a long story, not very interesting. But uh, when I was 13 years old, I moved to Lloydminster, Alberta, Canada. Just a young buck in Lloydminster, which is about let's see, 300 miles east of Calgary. For yeah, uh, yeah those, 300 northeast. Yeah, it's about yeah. Right. For those of you, for those of you who, of course, this this is an international audience. We have well over 130 different countries that tune into the OGGN podcast, but Alberta is Western Canada, whereas Calgary is gateway to the mountains. Lloydminster is, you know, at 300 miles, might as well be 3,000 miles as far as geography goes. <laughs> um, miles and miles and miles of grain fields, some of the best duck hunting in the world if, if you're into duck hunting. But the reason I tell you the story The first, and of course, I'm a native born Houstonian. And so I'm 13 years old. We go there. Of course, Lloydminster's, you know, got the big Husky refinery there, you know. Um, But so we go there and they say that optimum condition is you move there in the summertime so you can acclimate to the winter. (laughs) And that particular, that particular winter was one of the worst winters they had had in 50 years. And one week, the high for the week was 25 below. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the ironic thing is three, four years later, when I moved back to Texas, 
they didn't get any snow until December that winter. Yeah, right. Yeah, of course. So it can vary a lot. So if you're just now having spring in June, you had a tough winter and a late spring for sure. Oh, we certainly did. The snow came back a few times. So glad to see the sun anyways. Exactly. Of course, you know, a lot of times you can see the sun out there and there's six feet of snow on the ground and it's, you know, 10 below. It looks great Uh, through the window. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) You know. Okay. So, Ethan, thanks for coming to us from Calgary. Then also we have Sean Tyner and Sean is construction superintendent for the U.S. at Coraline Pipe. And Sean, where are you coming from? I'm on the western slope of Colorado, Grand Junction. Oh, wow. So we got two mountain boys here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The United States Rockies and the Canadian Rockies. That's right. Now, I am... Sean Sean has better weather than we do, though. (laughs) Well, he may have better... He may have better weather, but I will tell you this, and I'm very biased and prejudiced, but the Colorado Rockies, there's no comparison to the Canadian Rockies as far as I'm concerned. So some of the most, you know, Lake Louise may be the most beautiful place on the planet, you know? Yeah, it's very special, isn't it? Arguably, a lot of people would say that. So I say it objectively because, like I said, I'm prejudiced, you know? But uh, (laughs) That's, That's a big, that's a big win. (laughs) <laughs> I like it. Okay. So, Ethan, yes. uh, Sean actually says that you're not only the VP of business development, but that you're also a mad scientist. Tell us about that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a mad scientist, but I can talk a lot about pipeline and my opinions on what's right and what's wrong. So, that, uh, well, let's, I, I can get let's rambling. <laughs> well, as long as it's interesting, you know, that's, I tell you a funny story. Sometimes I make public speaking engagements and that sort of thing. And, and many years ago I used to, of course, this was before PowerPoint. And so many years ago I would get up and I would have a stack of papers in my hand, you know, like mm-hmm. those were my notes. Yep. And I would say, now, if I'm a polite speaker, as I get, go through each one of these pages, I'll set the page off to the side. And I'll keep doing that and you'll see the dwindling stack and you'll see how much farther there is to go, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Now, if I'm a rude speaker, what I will do is when I get through with the page that I'm on, I'll stick it back underneath the bottom of the stack and that way you can't keep track. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, if I'm a very rude speaker, what I will do is I will read from each page, stick it under the bottom of the stack, and then when I get to the last one, I'll turn it over and start over from the backside. <laughs> and you know, you know, I used to tell that as a joke. And I went to a speech one time, and the guy actually did that. Uh, <laughs> only it wasn't with a stack of paper in his hands; it was with a you know those what do you call those charts that they put up the white, big white charts, the easel oh, yeah. board and all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, the flip chart. And, yeah. and so he started going through the flip chart and I'm looking to see how many more, the, like, it was a boring speech. I'm looking <laughs> to see how many more of those. Finally, he gets the last one. And I, this is the honest to goodness truth. He flipped it over and started. <laughs> started he started coming back. Oh no. <laughs> so just don't, just don't do that to us, Ethan. Let's first of all, best. let's talk about Let's talk about pipelines. As I yeah. said, it's a very popular, and when I said popular, by that I mean it's it's all over the place in the news the past at least 10, 12 years. And for a lot of people, it's it's a negative subject. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, certainly. I mean, pipelines have without question come into focus and under attack all the time. My thought on that is that it, it's 
arguably the most important piece of infrastructure we have in, in North America that makes the world go around. And I think it's probably one of the most misunderstood pieces of infrastructure that we have, the extent of it, how integrated it is into everybody's day-to-day -day life and, and really how safe pipelines are. You know, and at the same time, I, I welcome the scrutiny and, and the mandate to get better as an industry in the way we pipeline, not just the midstream and transmission, but in upstream and, and infield pipeline work as well, because we really do need to protect the environment and protect our people and, and protect our countries. Right. So that's, you know, I, it's such an important piece of our life in Canada and the energy industry and in the U.S. And it's a bottleneck everywhere and it's under political pressure and social pressure and environmental pressure. And, you know, I think if, if we could build some bridges and have some more clear dialogue and really understand what the alternatives are, people would probably be a start to champion pipelines a little bit differently. Well, and I appreciate what you just said there about alternatives and about trying to actually on the oil and gas side for us to do a better job of telling our story. Oh, yeah. um, you know, you listen to the Green New Deals and those very wise and, and experienced uh, Congress people, you know, who champion it and all this sort of thing. And, you know, so we're not going to have any cars and we're not going to have any airplanes. Right. Uh, we which, won't, heat, you know, won't heat our homes either. No, well, <laughs> well, see, see that's, that's my point, though. That's my point. You know, cars and airplanes are such a small part yeah. of the oil and gas industry. In fact, we have a railroad commission. People who aren't in Texas won't know what the agency that regulates oil and gas in Texas. And one of the commissioners on that, whenever she has some environmental wacko make an appointment with her, you know, she says, now, one of the rules is when you come in, said you can't bring your cell phone. And he said, why not? And she said, well, if it weren't for the oil and gas industry, you wouldn't have a cell phone. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so, there's, you know, there's, just, people, people, there's such a, a divide that, of understanding of what petrochemicals are used for from plastics. It, it, to, exactly. And, and of course, part of that is part of that is our problem. Part of that's one of the reasons for this podcast and all the other OGGN podcasts. For uh, sure. You know, I, the, my, the other thing when it comes to alternatives, though, my wife, who happens to be the only successful one in the family, uh, is, <laughs> is an international insurance broker, and she actually insures a company that owns a bunch of rail cars. In lieu of the pipeline, they transport it via rail car, and I hear about the claims that she has. Oh, yeah. So the alternatives aren't nearly as good as the pipeline itself. Two major problems with pipelines, what are they? Corrosion and abrasion primarily are the, are the things that can lead to a failure, a release to environment. And so that's basically why they call you the mad scientist, isn't it? Isn't this what core line pipe is all about? It is it's exactly what we're all about. Core line pipe, I mean, there, there are ranges of options out in the world that have been available to industry for quite some time. But for some reason, pipeline is a lot like the industry as a whole, where a whole bunch of hardworking people that just do their best and, and are responsible. I've, I'm yet to see somebody in this industry that's not environmentally responsible, but, you know, pipeline, hardworking folks that just go to work and, and deliver energy and they keep our, our world moving. Without that, we wouldn't live in the same type of world. And what we set out to do about seven years ago now was bring a product, a suite of products to market that would focus on upstream. And so we were just talking about some of the the general pipeline, that's big, that's transmission, that's that's big stuff. But I mean, there's pipelines from just about every well that's drilled in North America across lands, through water crossings, through sensitive areas. And those are a lot of, of areas that can be improved where 
you know, downstream and midstream is typically treated product and, and some of those failure mechanisms go away. And even if you have a release, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, they used to spray crude, crude oil onto the fields as fertilizer. You know, it, it's not, not advocating for releases, but when it's a treated product, it's not nearly as damaging to the environment. But upstream, when it comes out of the well, I mean, you can get some nasty stuff. You've got crazy bacteria and you've got H2S gas and salt and you know high chloride contents and all kinds of things. So what we set out to do is build a suite of products that basically the mandate of the company is to build a pipeline that can never have a release to the environment. So we were, most of us were part of some other technologies that, that came in that, that went halfway there, but you know the industry sure changed since the early 2000s in, in volumes required for fracking operations and the expectations of failure and failure mitigation and really how nasty, how high pressure, you know, the things that we're dealing with are. So, you know, we set this out, set out to kind of customize this and our mandates, build a pipeline that can never have a release. It needs to accommodate what the industry needs now and into the future for in terms of volumes and pressure and, and that kind of stuff. And it's got to reduce costs, upfront project costs, and it's got to deliver life cycle benefits. So no failure rate. We're, we're lucky we've operated pipe for six years and we've never had a failure. I think... I think I'd be correct in saying that we're the only product out there right now that could say that. And we want to continue to help deliver solutions to people across North America. And we matured the company in the Canadian market. And now, you know, we've started to build our team in the U.S. to try to help have some dialogue and, you know, help things get better. Because, you know, coming out of oil price war and COVID and, you know, there was already ESG pressures. And and I think that that's going to it's not going to get any less, I don't think. And so we have a chance to be better and to build back differently. And and that's the thing I think is kind of the really interesting dialogue right now. You hear the Permian water crisis and water crisis here and water crisis there. That can all be solved with pipe and that can reduce operating costs. And at the same time, if you build it the right way, you can have really substantial ESG benefits and move forward in a different way. So, so Sean, are you guys pipe manufacturers? Yeah, so we actually work through a partner, Gateway Tubulars in Canada. They manufacture the pipe. It goes to our plant, and then that's where we kind of create the core line pipe. It goes through quite a process, a lot of inspection, hands-on inspection, multiple inspection stages. And basically, by the time it comes to the field, I like to say it's 75% done. We do the other 25% in the field. And so we've kind of been able to eliminate a lot of the footprint that a traditional pipeline company would have on a right-of-way with a four-man crew. We're doing the whole show. You know, we eliminated welding. So it's a mechanical joining system. So through that process, you know, back to what Ethan was hitting on, we reduce exposure to the environment, to employees. It's a pretty neat product. Yeah, so okay, we call so- that we call that click weld as our as our mechanical joint. That's kind of our our real IP in this. The question at, at the inception of this was, how do you get away from how do you put corrosion protection inside a piece of steel pipe, a high grade tubular, which everybody knows and and steel's great, but the only thing that's bad about steel is that it can corrode and it can abrade. And so, how do you take that that material and get it back to the benefits of a thermoplastic where you protect it from those two failure modes? And the answer was you create a mechanical joint. So you eliminate welding. By eliminating welding, we put all that internal corrosion protection in in a factory and it comes out with click weld. And basically you you sap the two pieces of pipe together and push a ring and that does a mechanical joint. And then inside you do an internal fusion. So you have continuous plastic from end to end and it's a pipe and pipe product that 
delivers a whole bunch of stuff like dual containment and the ability to monitor that primary containment and so on and so forth. Well, you know, that's interesting that you mentioned that. And I really didn't know what was unique about your product. I had talked to Sean and from what he had told me, I, I thought this made for an excellent HSE podcast, but I actually have a company that you mentioned spraying oil out there and the fact how nasty it can be when it comes up straight from the ground before it's treated with, you mentioned produced water or salt and BTEX and, and all that sort of thing. So we, when that stuff gets spilled, we clean it up. When <laughs> uh, salt water gets spilled, we clean it up. We were actually out on a site last week. I won't mention what kind of pipe it was, but they had had a produced water spill. They already had the section of the pipe dug up and, you know, we were all in a, they were, had dug it up and had contained it and had fixed it. And now we're in the process of, of remediating it, but it was dug up there and they showed us where the leak was. And this particular kind of pipe, again, I'm not going to mention which kind it was, but it's, you know, touted as, you know, this is the, you know, biggest and best and all this sort of thing. And they were telling us how many failures they had had, how many leaks they had had. And every one of them was at the connection. Right. Yeah. Correct. And as a matter of fact, we looked at on one, one site within, oh, this is a, there's all kinds of production out there in this site. This is out in East Texas, hundreds of wells on this 7,000 acre spread. But we looked at three different leaks and three different failures within, oh, within a, a half a mile radius of, yeah. of each other. So yeah. you guys have, have only been at this for six years. Is this like a, a patented process is are you the only one or yeah we have currently seven patents and we have seven pending so product and process is fairly protected from an ip perspective and you know we continue to release new products we just released you know, a couple of new ones the other day a four inch and a higher pressure six inch pipe and you know we're pretty excited to keep doing that you know it's funny you mentioned the failures i mean there, there are products out there that can work well but all of them have limitations and, and kind of Limitations in application envelope and, and where they're best used. And then someplace you put them on surface and you get thermal expansion. And then sometimes they're mechanical joints in an otherwise plastic system. And, and sometimes they're threaded and, you know, sometimes it's just polypipe and it's a single wall. And it's subject to derates of hydrocarbon and temperature and, and elevation. And, you know, this is as much for us about getting the most out of the material and really delivering an engineered solution and us standing behind it as partners saying, you know, this goes around. This is, we're not just trying to sell pipe for the sake of it because, you know, we've got one chance to build a reputation in the company. And if we do it the right way and we do it carefully, then we're all going to be happy long into the future. But it kind of, it bothers me when pipelines fail and I know anything can fail and I'm sure ours will at some point, but we don't know how, how it will. There's no, no fatal flaw that we've found yet. You know, joint strength. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. I wish I had a, a picture to show you and, and some samples right now, but Imagine a mechanical joint between two pieces of high-grade steel that's actually the strongest part of the whole system. I mean, we just did tensile testing on a six-inch product we were developing. And we, you part the pipe, like you pull the base metal apart before you can pull this little joint apart that's got a mandrel and some teeth and compression. And it's kind of like a Chinese finger trap sort of thing where the harder you pull, the more strength you find in that joint. And it's pretty interesting, actually, to what this has done. It's never let us down. Well, now, when you say you wish you had a picture... Your website, and we'll put that in the show notes, but your website is www.core, C-O-R-E, 
L-I-N-E-P-I-P-E, corelinepipe.com. That's right. Uh, yeah. All one word. You probably have some pictures on your website. Yeah, we got a pretty robust gallery. We've got videos and, and lots of cool stuff on there. We'll show you how the joint gets built. We've got manufacturing videos and all that kind of stuff. You can find us on LinkedIn as well and or contact us directly and we can show you those things if anybody's interested. Okay. Well, so Coraline Pipes on LinkedIn. You're on LinkedIn. Sean, you're on LinkedIn? Correct. Okay. We'll put your LinkedIn URLs in there in case somebody wants to contact you. So Sean, if you're construction superintendent for the U.S., so why are you or how did you get lucky enough to wind up in Colorado? Well, I'm from Colorado originally, and it's actually where I met Ethan. And our, we just kind of stayed in touch over the last six years, and they started aggressively pursuing the United States. And I was at a time in my life that it made sense. So I got the invitation and I joined the team. I believe in the product, like Ethan was saying. It's kind of a shame that we do have the failures that we have in the industry because through the right application of materials, we can avoid that. And that's, you know, when I met Coraline Pipe and kind of came on board, I, I saw the value in reducing this exposure to people in the environment. And, you know, just like you said, Keystone, they're going through a whole bunch of scrutiny. Well, if we can build this product that bridges that gap, maybe we can solve some of these problems and, you know, help everybody out on both sides. Well, and that's when I first was introduced to you, that was the thing that, as I said at the beginning of the show, I, I thought everybody was going to really be glad they tuned into this podcast. This is true HSE. This involves, you know, all three aspects, health, safety, and the environment. So I want to thank you guys for taking the time to come in here and be on our podcast. I want to thank again, everyone for tuning in. Tune in next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Check out all their podcast selections at OGGN.com, where you will find the leading oil and gas podcasts on the planet. Discover more about the leading and your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement instrumentation services and solutions, Anderson Hauser at cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast. Go there and you can also register for our monthly podcast giveaway. Follow us on LinkedIn at Endress and Hauser Group and on Twitter at Endress underscore US. And you don't have to remember all that. You can simply find it in the show notes. But do remember that at Endress and Hauser, we are your people for process automation. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell us your friends about us. See you next time. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. 
We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.